Hi, everybody. Um, before we get started, I want to do a little housekeeping, little plug, and to tell everybody that um, I'm back to my old office. Um, my husband is at home from work today, possibly with the Delta variant. And we're waiting for the test results because we were supposed to go somewhere this coming weekend to celebrate our 23rd wedding anniversary. And we might have to put that on hold. So holding a lot of feelings today. But the house is crowded. For those of you that have been with me for a long time, you know that I have recorded in my car before and used it as my office. Mostly on my IGTV channel, which I don't really do that much anymore. I have also recorded a couple podcasts in my car because the sound is pretty good. And that means that people will walk by. <laughs> I may have to stop the recording and start it again. But for the most part, it's pretty nice in here. I've got my um, Earl Grey tea and some cookies that I made this week inspired by my friend Tamara brown butter oatmeal cookies with cranberries in them and they are delicious and I also like I said a minute ago I want to plug my friend Kathy Escobar and Phyllis Mathis's podcast it is amazing I have listened to three episodes so far I think they either have seven or nine out and I want everybody to check it out, so I'll put it in the liner notes. It's called Soul Practice, Raw Conversations, Real Practices with Kathy Escobar and Phyllis Mathis. And as far as I know, it's everywhere that you get your podcasts. So please check it out. It is genius and also way shorter than mine. <laughs> they have been very good so far at staying at the 30-minute mark. I am not very good at that. Thank you for listening. I hope everybody is doing okay out there. I am starting to really feel the fatigue that comes with doing a lot of um, work-related things that also bring me joy, family-related things, the holidays coming, and I just really want us to um, get what we need to make it through. Thanks for listening. Here we go. Another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. Whew. What a day so far, so far. It has been a lot. And I'm going to come into this as quiet inside myself and as centered as I can be. But the reality is I have been running around all day long. And I will continue to run around the rest of the day until I can put up my feet and watch something on TV because that's what we're doing every night to get through. My pronouns are she, her, hers. 
and I am on the unceded land of the Multnomah, Wasco, Cowlitz, Keflamet, Clackamas, Bands of Chinook, Tualatin, Kalapuya, Malala, and so many other tribes that made their homes along the Columbia River. I would like you to consider maybe thinking about your gifts this year. If you buy Christmas gifts, thinking about buying from indigenous creatives and spending your money, putting your value where it might benefit other people and also put their art and what they do out into the world. Consider buying from indigenous and um, black and brown creatives, bookstores, shops online, maybe not giving as much of your money if you, if you can not give as much of your money to the devil, which is Amazon. Okay, what do I want to talk about today? So many things. I do want to say something before we really get in to what we're going to get into today. I was in the kitchen um, putting away the groceries because I had to go to Costco today. And for those of you that live in the United States and have Costco, never go when it's almost Thanksgiving or any time that there's a holiday or holidays coming. It was so crowded. But I came home, Todd's sick, put away the groceries, and um, I just felt so harried inside, so rushed, and I don't like that feeling. And then I thought about all of you out there that get up in the morning, take care of other people, whatever, whatever that is. It's typically done by women, and it's typically unacknowledged in our cultures. The things that women do that are not paid are not valued, and they should be. I don't know why money has to be put on something to give it value, because I don't think that that is the way it should be, but that's a capitalist system. And it's not just women, but anybody out there that does the work that goes unnoticed, undervalued, and does it to keep everybody going and fed, clothed, cleaned. There's so many things that we do that just are not noticed, like doing the laundry and folding it and putting away, stain sticking stuff, which is so annoying. I hate st- I hate having to deal with stains. Sweeping, vacuuming, cooking, cooking meals which takes thought and um, you, you can't just whip something up. You have to make sure that you have the ingredients. You have to do the shopping. All those little things that we do that go unnoticed or get absorbed, I just want to shout you out right now because I feel that. And it's not always that way and there's not always somebody to blame. But for the most part, it just goes unrecognized, unthanked. And so I want to say that you are what keeps the world functioning. You are what keeps kids clean and fed and in school and 
helping them with their homework and making sure they get their teeth brushed, teaching them how to wipe their butts, all the, to clean their butts, all the things that really do not get acknowledged or thanked. I am thanking you. The world needs you. And also there needs to be a restructuring of the way we see people and the way we value the things that people do and not putting such an emphasis on the things that are paid labor versus the things that are unpaid labor. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I've been doing an unintentional series on listening to your inner wisdom because it is so important to, I would say, to our survival and to who we are as humans in the world to tap in and listen to that and learn how to listen to that inner voice more and more because we need it. It's the gauge. It's the thing that says something is off. It's the thing that says, hey, stop and listen. It's the thing that says... um, Maybe it's time for a break. It's the thing that says, maybe reevaluate this relationship. It's the thing that has our best interest at heart. And as we listen to that voice, as we get more and more familiar with what it is, what it sounds like, how it shows up in our bodies. And for me, just a little caveat to that. I don't think it shows up the same time, or let me rephrase that. I don't think it shows up in the same way every time in my body. Like it's not always I get a feeling in my belly or my chest or whatever. So I'm not necessarily saying that it will be the same every time. But as you get to listen and notice that voice, you get more and more familiar with the ways that it shows up in you and for you. And that brings me to what I want to talk about today. I trust my instincts or my feelers. I don't really know what to call it. Call it inner wisdom. I'm not sure if it's inner wisdom, but the tells. Like the tells inside my body that say pay attention. So I guess it is inner wisdom. And today I have been feeling feels. So I wouldn't say that I'm sad. I wouldn't say that I'm grieving, but something is going on. And it started this morning when I was reading this book that I'm reading by a man named Peter Walker that I've talked about on here before. I don't know if I've mentioned it yet. It's called The Tao of Fully Feeling. And he was talking about how our feelings are shut down in us as children and we're not allowed to feel what we... Either we're not allowed to feel anything or we're not allowed to feel the actual feeling that we're having at the moment. So if we're experiencing rage, it has to come out as something else in order for us to get it out because of our family system and what our our parents or whoever we're being raised by is comfortable with or teachers or whatever. But it's not allowed room to truly be felt. 
So it started as I was reading this book, I was like, oh, I'm feeling tears coming. And um, I really value the expression of crying because as I age, call it perimenopause, I'm not really sure, um, but I have less and less access to my tears, which (laughs) makes me sad because that was a way for me to get feelings out that were kind of stuck and trapped in there that I knew I would get to a place in the month could have been around my period usually it was where I just did not have the capacity to hold anything in anymore and it would come out and it would be good it would be cleansing and that's not happening anymore in the same way or as often I don't cry nearly as much and I've never been a big crier but I miss that cleansing that comes with crying and so when it showed up this morning in my body, I was like, oh, okay, go with this as much as you can. But it's like one of those things where, you know, you're you're giving yourself, at least for me, I'm giving myself permission to feel it, but I don't want to go there too much because what if I shut it off in the midst of trying to allow it all to come out? I don't know if that makes sense. It's almost like you kink the hose, a hose pipe where the water comes out because you're trying to let it come out so much. You're like, be free. And then in the being free, you're plugging the hose, the hose of tears. So I was just sitting in the feeling of that. It didn't, it didn't become like full on crying, but I, I noticed it. And again, going back to inner wisdom, it's noticing. And I didn't sit there and go, oh, that's inner wisdom. Or, oh, my body's trying to tell me something. I just went, oh, crying feels good. I haven't done that in a long time. It feels especially good when you've wanted to cry and you haven't had the freedom to cry because something is stopping it for whatever reason. Um, And then I had to go to Costco. And sometimes when I go to Costco, I guess it's because I um, I feel other people's feelings that I pulled into the parking lot and I didn't even get out of the car and I could feel whatever was in that building. It was very crowded. There was just a sense of, um, I don't know if it's just sadness But maybe it comes also with the holidays approaching. It's a a mix of sadness. It's a mix of phonetic energy and hope and magical thinking and that thing that we do as humans to try and fill a void with stuff that never, ever takes care of it. Because the void needs to be filled with something else, like noticing and allowing and um, opening and vulnerability and all the things that um, we don't always give ourselves permission to express and feel. And maybe some of it too is we're not in relationships where we are allowed to lean into our vulnerability And that's something, if you're in that, that needs to be explored. Because the body has to feel. And um, 
relationships, healthy relationships are dependent on vulnerability. They can't really thrive and um, be mutual if there isn't vulnerability there on both for both parties or whatever the, in a partner relationship with a husband, with a wife, with the person that you are in partnership with um, romantically or friendship wise or if you're close to your siblings or your parents. There has to be vulnerability. And I would go as far to say as if there isn't the opportunity for vulnerability, then we have to set up protections for ourselves. And I want to talk more about that in a minute. But anyway, I felt it in, in Costco. I felt, for me, it's a feeling of oppression. I try to make more eye contact with people smile more because as a two and as a feeler it helps me it I, it does a couple things it helps me to connect with people even if it's not reciprocated which sometimes makes me sad but it also helps me to not feel like I'm getting snowballed by that all of that ball of oppression and whatever angst I'm feeling in that room. If I combat that with eye contact with people, thanking people for letting me down an aisle or not crashing their cart into me or whatever other thing helps that happens at Costco, um, it helps me to combat that atmosphere. And it got me thinking about the way the holidays are. And for those of you that have followed me for a while, you know that I have holiday survival guides pretty much up the wazoo. I have written ones on my blog from years ago. I have, every year I try to do a series of holiday survival tips and tricks on my podcast or what, whatever medium I'm using at the time. So there's a lot of stuff out there. And um, it's free to you. <laughs> whatever it takes to help us survive. Oh, it started raining, so this will be... I'm setting some mood sounds. Um, so much comes at us during the holidays. So much pressure, so much internal pressure that we put on ourselves and so much outer pressure that is put on us by other people. Societally, um, if you're still a part of um, any kind of religious community or um, friend community or you're a part of clubs or whatever people do these days, wherever there are other people inside of your family home, and outside in the world and in your family of origin, there are pressures. And those pressures can really wreak havoc on us during this time. Obviously during other times too, but we've got the trifecta. We've got Thanksgiving, which is loaded for so many other reasons than just um, getting together with our families. Um, we have 
Christmas in the United States for Christians, but there's Hanukkah, there are, um, there's Kwanzaa, there's anything where there's people that you're related to or extended family, it's, it can be loaded. So I'm not going to get into all the holidays, but there are so many holidays that are happening right around a two-month period of time. Thanksgiving in the United States, obviously. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. Put in the holidays that you celebrate to give you the same kind of idea of what I'm trying to talk about. There is so much pressure that is happening in a two-month period of time that takes a lot of people out. People don't make it. People don't stay sober um, from whatever their addiction is that they're struggling with. People um, in their lives, people feel the most lonely during this time of year. People are more isolated because not only is there the pressure of family, but there is also the reminder if you've been rejected by family for whatever it is. Maybe you left the church. Maybe you transitioned and um, your parents refused to see you as the real person that you are because it's different than what they imagined for you. Maybe you've come out. Maybe they've put stipulations on you like, well, we'll still see you, but you're not allowed to bring your your girlfriend or your boyfriend if you're gay. All of these ways that either are filled with a violation of boundaries or isolation from family. And it makes for a hot pot mess of um, loneliness trying to um, do whatever we can to make our families love us, to be the good kid, to be perfect. And it's impossible. Going back to that vulnerability piece, leaning into vulnerability is huge for our, I would say, our mental health. But if you're leaning into vulnerability and it is not reciprocated by the people that are supposed to love you, it can be a a trap. It can be um, not just loaded with danger, but if the people are real assholes, they're going to use it against you. And if they have any power over you in any way, they can. Like, there are things that my parents who are difficult for me, especially my mom, do that really hurt me, get me anxious, cause me to have to really think about what my boundaries are, what I'm doing this year. But for the most part, because I've had to completely cut my mom out of my life, I don't have any kind of encounters with her. And my dad has owned and asked for forgiveness for a lot of the things that he did. And still, it is hard. It's In some ways, it's easier because I don't even have to speak to my mom. 
and I have a relationship with my dad. And in some ways, it's easier to have no relationship than the relationship that I have. Now, I wouldn't not want a relationship with my dad because he's done a lot of work. And still, he asks me to do things that I'd rather him not ask me. Or he'll invite me to Thanksgiving with him like he did this year. Luckily, I was prepared. He called me a few weeks ago and said, hey, I don't know what you're doing for Thanksgiving, but... I am having your brother over. We're going to do a really small Thanksgiving thing. And I wanted you to know that you and Todd and if the kids are around are welcome. Well, for one, since Todd and before Todd and I got married, we have always done our own Thanksgiving and my family never came to it because we decided we wanted one holiday that was ours. And every year I have to remind my dad that dad, we've never come to Thanksgiving at your house. So this year he asked and I could feel the tension building in my stomach. And I remembered how I was going to prepare, prepare for this. And I said, dad, well, you probably don't remember, but every year we do Thanksgiving with our friend Molly. And it's been, you know, something that we've done for, you know, at least the last eight, 10 years. But I appreciate you inviting me. Thank you. I will not be coming. And then he said, oh, I need to make sure that you know that your sister Beth is going to be around. She will be coming. And this is something that I've had to ask him to do as a survivor. Um, A lot of what I encounter with my family is them wanting me to pretend that nothing has happened to me. Which I get less and less okay with the older I get. I've never been okay with it, but I've had to make choices whether I'm going to go somewhere, how my safety is, is it, you know, can I still go and participate a tiny bit and um, have my boundaries real tight, whatever it is. But it's always me making some kind of sacrifice at the expense of myself. And my sister, Beth, is pretty much, other than my mom, the only one that has not acknowledged that something happened to me um, and I will not spend time with her um, because every kind of forgiveness has been not really asking for forgiveness you know basically tell me what I did wrong and I'll say sorry for it which is not forgiveness y'all um, and my dad used to trap me where he wouldn't tell me who was going to be there And I would show up and then I would not be prepared and it would be very triggering for me because there would be people that blatantly believe that I'm lying about my childhood. And I'd have to sit there and try to pretend that nothing happened or throw, you know, make a stink and then you're the bitch like you always are. And I don't like that either. So he remembered, which I was glad he did. And he said, oh, and I wanted to make sure that I told you that your sister is going to be there. And I said, I appreciate, Dad, I appreciate you telling me and I will not be coming. But I hope that you have a great time with your kids. So I was prepared for that. And that is just a small thing that also sounds really easy and has taken me probably about 15 years 20 years to learn how to do where I can say something that clear like 
Brene Brown says, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. With my father, not apologizing, being very clear. And then also after I hang up the phone, letting myself release that so that I'm not carrying it around like, oh, well, you could do this or you could, why can't you just get it together and just show up anyway? And all the pressures that family bring. I don't do that anymore. I'm not saying that it won't crop up in any way, but I am honing my inner voice to help me do sometimes the very uncomfortable thing, which is standing up for myself, saying no, thanking and saying no. I am listening to that inner voice help me develop that skill and hone it because that skill we need. Not just for the holidays, but the holidays are where, you know, we're being bombarded by TV and movies and songs on the radio that everything is supposed to be amazing and everything is sparkly and shiny and you get the gifts that you want and the people in your lives love you no matter what. They accept you fully for who you are. No strings attached. That's all bullshit. But because we're in a two-month period of time that is pushing against us. We start to feel like there's something wrong with us if we're not feeling the sparkle and the glow and the happy and the jolly and what the fuck is wrong with my family. Or what usually happens is we don't blame the people that actually deserve the blame, we blame ourselves. And that inner critic is rampantly telling us what a piece of shit we are. Because we're, we weren't a good enough kid that our parents would love us. We aren't a good enough friend that our, the friends that we have show up for us and love us. And if we only had money or if we only were fill in the blank. And that's just not true. We are lovable and acceptable exactly how we are right now. Even if we are not everybody's cup of tea. And frankly, I don't want to be everybody's cup of tea. I don't. Because if I'm everybody's cup of tea, then I'm not being Angie. And I have worked too hard to center down into my child self and my inner wisdom. Trying to fully be myself, embrace myself, and live that self out into the world to shut it down, to be everybody's cup of tea. And and we can't anyway, and it's exhausting to try. So there's a few things that I want you to be thinking about. Who can you truly be vulnerable with? Who in your life are you vulnerable with telling them your truth? Usually it can only be a few people to be truly that kind of vulnerable with. And they tell you their truth back and they love, support, hold space, sometimes point out something that maybe you need to, you know, say sorry for, but they do it in love. And then who are other people that you can be mostly yourself and they don't, They aren't always trying to get you to be somebody different. Um, 
And then who are the rest? And we can't live in a world where we're never encountering or spending time with people that rankle us or drive us a little nuts. That's just not the way the world works. We have to be around people that aren't always our favorite to be around. That doesn't mean they're bad for us. But if we kind of take stock of who we are and how we feel when we spend time with people that we're kind of, for lack of a better word, feel forced to spend time with, some sometimes it's family. What can we do to either not do that if it's toxic and unhealthy? So you have to take stock of your situation to figure out if it's toxic and, and unhealthy. And provide yourself ways of escape like I've talked about in many of my other holiday preparation podcasts. But get yourself to the point where you can kind of go, oh, is that, is that what I, how I want to feel when I visit home? Is that how I want to be? Is that my, is, is my best self coming out or am I constantly feeling like I'm reacting? And then take stock and spend less time. Don't make the people that hurt you the most your priority. Because really, like I've said in other podcasts, you are the only one that can do that for yourself, really. And the only way you can do that for yourself is if you take stock and you talk to other people that are involved that... Like if it's your your partner's family that's hard for you. Have a conversation about that. So that you're not just going and then enduring. If it's your family, have a conversation with your partner about how you together can handle it. Or if it's even worth, worth handling. We have a lot of outs still because of the pandemic where we can just say, hey, we're not visiting family. Use the outs that you have when you have them because you're not going to have them forever and then use some of that time to to do the work in yourself that you want to do like you know after this holiday you will have a year before you have this holiday again and I'm not saying like spend all that time working but get a few books on boundaries get a few books on you know listening to the loving parts of yourself and inner wisdom, get books on, you know, codependency, whatever it is for you that in the past has caused you to keep making the same choices over and over again, where you feel terrible afterwards, take stock of why you've done that and how you can undo that for yourself. So first is taking stock and then seeing how you can navigate those situations that are coming differently. Another thing is to every day practice tapping into that inner wisdom. And what I mean by tapping into the inner wisdom is honing the skill. So you have to listen that sounds so stupid when I say it. You have to listen to be able to hear. Take yourself on a walk and have a dialogue with your inner wisdom. Say, hey, 
I don't think I really hear you very often. Will you speak to me and help me notice when you're speaking? Help me notice in in my body where you're showing up. Like for me, the crying. I want to pay attention to how I react to people when I'm out and about. And to notice when the pressure feels too much to make different choices for myself. That now I know Costco is a is a shit show. I'm going to try to avoid it unless I can't. But doing the noticing requires first having an understanding. So I practice talking to myself. And that might look strange as you're walking. So if you want to do it in the bathtub or in the shower or somewhere more private as you get more used to it, because it doesn't have to be out loud. Nobody has to see your lips moving. But there's something that often comes up in the intensive journaling that I do. There's a part of it where you have to have a back and forth conversation with whatever you're journaling with. And usually it's a feeling like rage, anger, grief, or loss. And often people that are doing this journaling with me, before they start to have that written dialogue, they say, well, am I talking to myself or am I talking to the feeling? Yes and. It's the same thing. It's, it's all of the parts of you. So if you're talking to inner wisdom and inner wisdom, you're asking, hey, um, could you make yourself clearer to me? I, need, I really want to hear you. Then you have to be quiet and listen. And maybe you won't hear anything the first time or the second time. But also the thing about hearing and listening means that you're not judging it when it comes. Because that's the thing. If, if you're stuck in the weeds about, is this me or is this inner wisdom? Then you'll be critical of the voice when it comes. You'll be overthinking it. If you can stay in curiosity, which is like, yeah, this is, this is me and this is inner wisdom and we are one and the same and I want to hear whatever it is that inner wisdom says, then you will be more open to when inner wisdom speaks because you're curious and you want to hear what it says. The other thing is the difference between inner wisdom and your inner critic is inner wisdom always has your best your best at heart. So inner wisdom is not going to say, hey, you idiot. Why did you say that to your friend today? That was ridiculous. That's the critic. Inner wisdom would not say it that way. Inner wisdom might go, oh, I see that you're kind of feeling bad about that conversation. Yeah, I get that. Maybe maybe you need to say something to them to them about how what they said hurt you. Or maybe you need to go to them and apologize. Um, maybe we need to go to them and apologize because it might have been taken different than, than we thought. There is a love to it. An undeniable, I have your best interest at heart, love to that. And you've got to ask clarifying questions. You've got to be open to it saying something like shocking to you or showing up in your body to go, hey, pay attention. Pay attention to this feeling that doesn't feel good or this feeling that feels good so that you can do stuff that help you feel good. And then as we 
as we do these practices, you know, maybe for me, I've been getting up early and I had kind of fallen out of meditation for a while in the typical way. By typical, I mean like a set meditation in the morning. I was in the habit of every morning getting up and sitting in the dark and either doing silence and solitude or some breath work or a body scan or whatever. And I've been out of that practice probably for about six months. I've been doing other things. Um, and recently I've wanted to reconnect with that. And that's another thing that you can do is just listen for maybe what inner wisdom wants to do. So for me, I, it's me, but it's also inner wisdom that wants to practice meditating again, that wants to first thing in the morning, lay in my bed and breathe and hold space for the people in my life that I love hold space for the people that I'm not very happy with their choices about the vaccine or how they're out in the world. Um, but I don't want that to take all my energy sitting in silence with myself. That's me saying without even having to say to my inner wisdom, like, what do we want to do this morning? Oh, we want to do this. And then trying it. And then also not beating ourselves up when we don't. Because all of those things that we do that are retaliatory, that is such a hard word for me, are, I think, a little bit more like the critic or like mean parents. And again, I've said this many times, we have the opportunity to be the loving, kind parents that we need and that we want. Maybe we had those, and still the inner critic runs wild. A lot of us did not. So we get to take that responsibility and say, oh, shoot, I wish I would have done my meditation this morning. Oh, well, we'll try again tomorrow. Or I wish I forgot to talk to you, inner critic. Or, sorry, I forgot to talk to you, inner wisdom. I forgot to do my check-in with you and um, I blew it. Oh, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do it differently tomorrow, or at least I'm going to try. Because responding from a place of coercion or shame doesn't get us to want to do those things over and over again. I want you to be able to go into the next two months fully feeling fully loving as much as you can fully embodied listening to yourself and as much as you can staying true to who you really are and some of us need to find out who we really are because we've been performing as who we thought people wanted us to be for so long that we don't even really know who we are and inner wisdom will help us find that Remember that you are loved and you are important in this world. We need everybody's voices. We need everybody listening to their inner wisdom. Man, the world would be a totally different place. Thank you for listening. You are loved and you are wanted. You are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. Thanks for listening. Thank you.